Welcome parents and grandparents and anybody else who takes care of children. This is the Owner's Manual, a podcast for parents. I'm your host, Drew Nash, coming to you from One to One Pediatrics in Danville, California. This is episode 111. I've put together a very interesting and informative show for you today. In today's episode, I will have an in-depth discussion with a certified medical exercise specialist. We'll talk about how to encourage and get kids to be active from an early age, and also how to motivate the couch potato to get up and get moving. We will discuss creative strategies to make exercise fun, not for the kids who love sports, but for the ones who don't. So stay tuned for some super motivating tips and talk. In addition, we'll continue the segments, Pediatric Fun Facts and Parenting Horror Stories. And at the end of the show, I'll answer some questions from listeners. For those of you who just happened upon the show accidentally, The Owner's Manual, a podcast for parents, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcasting platforms. Since I'm trying to build our listener base, I'm calling on you, our fans, to help spread the word. Tell your friends, neighbors, your child's daycare provider, and anybody you know who might like listening how to find us. I hope you'll follow us on whatever platform you use to hear us so you can be notified when each new episode becomes available. In addition, we're on Facebook at the Owner's Manual Podcast and Twitter at Podcast for Parents, where you can like us, post a comment, post a question to be answered on the show, or even tell your pediatric horror story. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, this is a terrific way to let us know. Also, I've started posting information photos, and videos to add a visual component to some of our segments. So check it out. And now for the weekly disclaimer. While we hope that listeners are able to learn and benefit from the content of this show, the information discussed on the owner's manual is not intended to diagnose or treat any specific individual or condition. There is no substitute for direct patient care from a trained clinician. If you have concerns about your child, we recommend that you make an appointment with your child's primary care physician for an evaluation. Before we get to the main topic for the day, it's time for Pediatric Fun Facts. Each week, I bring you an interesting pediatric factoid or historical item that you probably didn't know and might not believe. I've got an endless supply of this stuff, and I think you'll find it interesting. So let's jump right in. Fun facts. Did you know that babies are born with the ability to walk? Yes, that is true. It's hardwired into their little brains from before birth. You've probably all seen videos of a baby giraffe or horse or deer being born. They pop right out of their mom and immediately stand up and take some steps. Well, babies have that little motor program in their noggins too. Unfortunately, they don't have the strength or balance to pull it off for about a year. But they instinctively can take steps. This is called the newborn step reflex. Now, unlike last week's fun fact, this definitely is something you can safely try at home with your newborn. Hold your baby up from behind with each of your hands under their armpits. Suspend them down so that their feet are dangling and hold them up to the edge of a table or bed or some flat surface. Move them toward the table, and as their feet hit the edge of the table, they will start to make stepping movements. If you kind of lightly drag them across the surface, they will continue to take a few steps. This reflex is present at birth, 
but then fades after a few months, only to reemerge around a year when a toddler starts to walk. Now, if you don't happen to have a fresh newborn available to see this with, I've posted some photos and videos on the Facebook page so you can see it for yourself. Check it out at the Owner's Manual Podcast. While there, you can like us, post a comment, a question, or an idea for a topic you'd like to hear about. So newborn babies can walk. I think that's incredible. What other crazy things can they do? Well, subscribe and keep listening, and I'll tell you. And that's our pediatric fun fact for the day. And now on to the show. Today's guest is a certified medical exercise specialist. She is a motivator and fitness expert and the CEO and programs director at Gumsaba Custom Fitness, Gumsaba Boot Camps, and Hit With Power. The list of her training and teaching credentials is extensive. She is Spartan SGX coach certified and she is TRX level two certified to name a few. My guest is a second degree Bakfudo black belt she was also the Kyoshu Kung Fu Full Contact National Champion in 2001, 2002, and 2009, as well as the Kyoshu Kung Fu Full Contact World Champion in 2009. She is definitely not somebody you want to mess with, but is also one of the gentlest souls that I know. I'm also lucky enough to have her as a sister-in-law. So please welcome to the show, Coach Michelle Brown. So welcome to the show, Michelle. It's thank great you. to have you here and thank you for taking time and showing me your gym. We're recording here from the gym, so if it's a little bit echoey for people listening, it's because we're in a gym. Right. It's bouncing off all the, the iron in the gym. Yes. And there's <laughs> a lot of iron here. So we're here to talk about um, getting kids healthy and keeping them active and developing lifestyles and activities that kids will enjoy for their health benefit and also that parents and kids can do together. So let's start talking about that. So before we get into getting kids out of problems, let's talk about what kind of things you would think would be beneficial to do um, parent-child activities, even when they're young, maybe even just barely walking, um, just to get them in the routine of doing more healthy things. So um, kids that are six and under really should just play. You want to get them outside. You want to get them, you know, dirty and uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a good lesson for sure. life. <laughs> um, you know, climbing trees, all those traditional things that you think of when you think of playing, um, or maybe some of you think of playing. Those types of uh, play things can help them develop the interest in what they might like to do. You know, so if a, if a kid is, is playing after school and he's releasing stress from the school day, he's also manifesting a lot of what he learned sure. um, or she learns. Um, and so during that time, you're, you're, that freestyle play is really important, at least up to six. I am 44 and I still freestyle play, as you know. I do know that. <laughs> I do. It's awesome. Um, I also want to say I don't have kids. And so my perspective is really interesting because I teach a lot of them and a lot of people bring their kids to me to get them through that um, hump in life where maybe they're getting ready for high school and they're not quite feeling confident. They don't have a sport or a group of friends or at a new school. I've had a couple of those people come to me for that 13 to 14 time. Um, I've had some eight-year-olds come to me that want to get faster at soccer, right? But whether they're an athlete or they want to be an athlete or they are somebody who needs to be active, one of the most important things is their interest. And developing that interest from a young age 
if you're a parent, making yourself get up off the couch when your kid, you know. So observing what they're doing. Yeah. So seeing what they're into and then running with that. Right. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy kind of to be genuinely interested when your kid's really good at a sport. Sure. But when your kid is, um, whether your kid is good at a sport or not, uh, it's important to help them recognize that failure that you do experience so much in sport is just like a good foundation for life. Absolutely. And getting, I, yeah. And, yeah. and if you try stuff and you love it and you're not good at it at first, but you love it, you know, you're going to get better at it. And, Absolutely. You know, and I think that some kids have a negative first response to things. So if they try something that they've never tried before and they don't do well, which is what you would expect as a parent having that perspective, but they get frustrated and maybe don't want to do it again. So, I, so motivating I think that, them to continue. Yes. You know, this is one of the big reasons I tout martial arts because a kid has to know a certain amount. I mean, and obviously it depends on the, the type of school and, you know, the type of kid. It's, it's not for everybody. But those types of systems where they have to try and maybe they don't make it and they have to try again and they have to change, you know, to get to a certain level, whether that means martial arts or, or the parent doing more of that kind of tracking can be really helpful. You know, if a kid knows that when they come home, they're going to get a certain reward if they go play, you know, that just like an adult is rewarded play behavior, but it does take involvement from the parent. And what you and I have talked about previously and are talking about now is really the parent being the example. Well, so parent being an example as far as being active, but also a lot of times that reward is interacting with your parent doing this activity. And that's so to tell Billy to go play and to sit there on the couch and watch TV while you expect them to be active isn't one realistic, two isn't a good role and doesn't also provide that reward that they get to play with mom or dad and do this activity as they get better at it. Right. And, you know, as a kid enters into their teen or teen years from those young, you know, they start to kind of separate into those kids that are going to go for sport and those ones that have decided that they're not going to go for sport. And that time, just like I remember my parents, one time we did it, there was a a reading assignment at school was to read with your family instead of do the TV. Mm -hmm. And this was in the 80s. So, you know, 19, I don't know, 85, I think. And that re I'll never forget that hour. And it was something that never happened again. But, and it was, it was intimidating to me too, because reading for an hour when I'm nine years old was like, what, you know, a long time. we watched three's company. Right. <laughs> right. So instead though, it was right. a very positive experience. And, and you know, that sharing interaction, I think sometimes, well, a lot of the time now you see it get lost. The parents are involved in their phones and that's hard for all of us. And just the example of that. And, you know, I know I've taken care of plenty of nieces and nephews and and had children close to me enough to know that there's sometimes you're just like, I will do anything to stop you from bothering me. Yes. (laughs) I will give you this iPad and turn on that stupid thing. And that's definitely a valid thing. However, that's not what we're talking about today. Right. But but, I also do, on the same note, that's a good use of it. They shouldn't be able to do it all the time on their own. It's a reward. But using it as a focused time as opposed to all the time. Right. And that's come up in several of the previous podcasts as far as that that machine that everyone has in their pocket. We all have it. And um, really just when you're trying to do something like this, just turning it off and having your kid turn it off and really just not having that as a distraction. It's hard to do, but once it's off, it's actually 
kind of a relief. Right. For everybody. And absolutely. Um, but, but back to getting kids active that might otherwise not play sports. Yeah, because the kids who are athletic really aren't the kids that we're having to focus on today. Those kids are kind of on autopilot. They are. I mean, as much, well, I don't know. Sometimes it's not autopilot. Sometimes it's the parents really wanting the kid well, to do it because it's their college that, that's resume. True. That's true. But, but let's talk about the kids who right. tend not to be these sporty kids. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so the, the ones that tend not to be as sporty, they may, uh, they may not be as willing to spend the time that it takes to get better at something because mm-hmm. they haven't yet felt that, oh, I'm good at this benefit, right? Or I feel strong at this, so I'm going to keep moving this dopamine through my body, essentially. Yes. Um, getting them active may be a little more strategic. So I, I actually did this with my husband. It's a okay. really good strategy. It's a white lie. So I tell Chad when I want to run eight miles that we're going to run 12. Oh, and he okay. looks at me like, oh, 12. And then I'm like, well, we'll just do eight. And now it's kind of a known unknown. <laughs> yes. I do that with my wife when I tell her I bought something and I usually tell her it cost $75 and then she gets mad and I tell her it really only costs 40 and she's happy. See? Yes. yes. It's called reverse psychology. But don't, but don't tell her. She never <laughs> listens to this podcast, so she won't know. <laughs> um, so, but, but really on a more serious note, you know, telling a kid, hey, let's do this for five minutes five minutes in a kid's mind if they're entertained isn't that long so if if we're talking about five minutes we're usually talking about like 10 or 15 as long as there's not distractions as as long as they're enjoying it they're not hating it right so it's not like they're you know doing something like going out and running maybe a kid really doesn't like to run and there's a lot of kids that are uncomfortable running because of the way that their bodies feel when they run and so maybe it's you know investing in a cheap stationary bike and being like hey you're gonna do that for five minutes before you start your homework right you're gonna eat your snack and then you're gonna start your homework and then every 50 minutes you're gonna get up for five minutes 50 five zero and you're gonna do it again and see how it goes, right? And the research behind that, as far as what you just said, exercising before you do brain work is really substantial. And a lot of schools have actually gone to the first thing that happens in the school day before they go into the classrooms is the entire school will run a lap or two. Yep. And uh, my son's school did that in elementary school, and it was amazing. The first thing, the, the arrival bell rang, and they all lined up and ran a lap, and then they all went and learned. So taking right. that break to build that dopamine is um and to then reestablish it every you know 50 minutes or so is great you know um uh, there's a book about it it's called spark have you heard of this so um it's really interesting they did a study on kids that i think it was in chicago but i'm not sure um but they added in the first period was for everybody was going to be pe yeah i did hear about this so that's part of the book but long story short the hypothalamus of the brain is where the activity center is as far as um neural connections of new things right new learning things Mm -hmm. there's a protein that's released it's simple science. It goes into the blood. And when you exercise, that protein is shown to be 32% higher. And so your body is circulating, able to circulate more information, right? So you're building new synapses and not and maintaining neuron connections. So it's so, taking, like taking a brain vitamin by yes. exercising before you go to try to learn something. Right. And for kids, because, well, puberty, right? That's a big one. You it know, there, a there's, one. there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I say I don't have a lot of kids, but I feel like I do because I often see them at the same ages. They come in at about 13. They're not feeling secure. You know, I'll teach them how to hit the bag. That's an incredible way to get an insecure kid to feel like they can control something that 
is inside of them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. You know, they can manifest a little bit of what they're feeling and know that, you know what, it's okay to be angry as long as you do something about it. You know, anger and an emotion like that in exercise, there's a, you know, they, they don't call it like runner's high for nothing. You know, you're getting over stuff when you exercise, you all know it, but it's often the getting there because we haven't been rewarded enough for some reason, you know, especially Mm -hmm. now because we like quick reward. Yes. It's, that it's tough. Again. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and kids so much of the time, if you, you know, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I get really excited. I'm super positive, especially with kids. Cause there's just unlimited potential. It's like a well, you know, you can yeah. just dig in there just and be like, what's them. in here, yeah, you know, it's yeah. so cool. And, um, from kids I have that have low back stuff. We talked about this going on because of single sided sport, you know, mm-hmm. or because of misuse of the, you know, body during single sided sport, sure. I should say, cause not everybody has it. But um, to other kids who, you know, like I said, are going into high school and feeling like they don't know where to start as far as who they are. They're not in a sport. Every kind of kid really loves to feel like they have positive feedback on what their body's doing. Like if I say, hey, you just nailed it, I can feel they're emotionally like, oh, I just got that right. I just connected that. And it doesn't have to be a connection to a baseball. It can be a connection to your body when you're doing a pull-up and how that pull-up may manifest into a Spartan race Mm -hmm. in five years that that kid loves doing and is a huge stress relief for them. You know, and they associate that type of thing with the positive instead of with the, oh God, I got to get off the couch. We all have those days. Yeah, sure. We're trying to get kids off the couch. So back to kind of where we started as far as activities to kind of pull out to do with your child to get them motivated, whether that's talking about a toddler or an older kid or even a teen who's maybe more independent, things to suggest for parents to do? Uh, Yes, I have a few of them. A a cheap investment in some fun equipment is wise. So go to play it against sports, see if they have a BOSU ball or any balance stuff. What is a BOSU ball? It's a half Swiss ball, like a half circle. Yep half dome and get fun games to balance on that. I do that with my, we keep one at my Mm mother-in-law's house and I do that with my niece because she tends to just run circles, this kid. And the parents let her crawl everywhere. But when, when we play, we, we play, (laughs) you know, I like to get her playing. I bought her a trampoline, a small one, but, um, so balance games on the BOSU, it could be five minutes, you know, just put a board on top of that. No, just put it the round side up and they, you know, step on it and Mm -hmm. try and balance on one leg. Um, so that's a good one. If you do have a real, a kid that likes to run, um, this is younger. I used to do this with Maya, Amy's daughter. I'd put cones out in uh, front of the driveway. I'd block it off and I would time her for a 30 yard dash after school. And we'd do like 10 of them. And And most kids love that. Some kids don't, but most kids, if you set up a game and say, okay, we're going to see how you do. Right. So just anything simple like that and if a kid didn't love to run i'd have them speed walk it with their arms in a crazy shape and wear a cape you know what i mean like you can make it so that they might feel like they can do it but it doesn't have to be compared to anything you know but even kids who don't like to run will usually run 30 yards yes they will this is true or do it for five stopwatch out yeah that's what i used to do and she loved it she loved the game aspect of it and looked forward to it can we we play running (laughs) sure sure so for me she's a very she was a very uh energetic kid and she did do Montessori so she learned from a young age that play is a, is part of life yeah. you know and so it was really important for her to have that extra time after to kind of just do her thing you know mm-hmm. 
Um, so another thing that I know I used to do as a kid was play ditch and, um, just, or tag, you know, you'd, yep. you'd all count and you'd run after each other. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really fun. And we played that till we were 15. I know that probably sounds ridiculous to imagine your 15 year old playing ditch, but it was really fun. So just playing tag. Talking yeah, about someone's tag. It and, yeah. Someone's yeah. it. You close your eyes, you count to a hundred and you have a parameter and you go try and find the person and tag them, mm -hmm. you know, um, those old fashioned games, you know, I think that uh, double Dutch jump rope, there's no greater investment for a young girl to get her a double Dutch yeah. jump rope. You know, it's just those fun games that you and I both associate mm -hmm. with activity. It doesn't have to be that complex. And this you know? actually doesn't plug into a USB port or anything. Exactly. It doesn't. So going back to play it against sports like a medicine ball or even an empty ball, uh, people will come into my gym and they'll have a kid with them. They're on a new interview and they don't have a place. And I just say, you know, bring your kid in. I have a red ball yeah. and they love it. They can throw it anywhere. It doesn't break anything. I mean, in some houses or places it might, but it doesn't here. Yeah. Um, they could certainly do it outside, but it's really light. And it's just something for a kid to kind of move around and hit and throw and you can bat at it and it goes and you run after it and grab it for, for a young kid who's just learning how to walk and run. That's a great tool. I mean, even just a balloon. I mean, <laughs> just you blow it up. I mean, that'll keep a kid entertained for a good half hour. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, one of the more complex things would be like setting up a little obstacle course. You know, if you have some space in your yard and, you know, I did this for my dog, but <laughs> you could do it for a kid. Kids yeah. love obstacle yeah. courses. They'll, you know, so climbing through a box. Yeah, exactly. And then jumping over yeah. something. And, and, and a kid will go hard. You want to get their heart rate up for a while. You want to get them panting and feeling mm -hmm. out of breath. Um, for many reasons, physically, but also for those brain connections and those those um, judging risk connections where we say to ourselves silently without even knowing it every day, is this next step smart? Is there a curb there? Do I need to lift my leg? Yeah. How far do I need to lift my leg? Because as we age... These things play out, you know, yeah, if you, absolutely. yeah, your hand, the dexterousness of, of, of just walking at first is, is a pretty huge thing. So, so part of the benefit of an obstacle course would be knowing just how far you can jump or how high you yeah, can Yeah, or even or, for a little kid, like yeah. you were talking about getting a toddler to, you know, crawl through things, that, that type of thing where they learn to stand up, it, it just helps build resilience from a young age and teaches them that it's part of their day. It's not something separate. It's not something you choose, it, you lose if you don't use, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, I ride my bike as much as I can, even though I'm an adult and I feel sometimes insecure, like people think I don't have a car because it's so <laughs> rare that you see people commuting on we, their bikes. We do live in California. I know, yeah. we do. And everybody has a really nice car and here I am on my bike, but you know what? Every single time I turn that wheel, I'm putting my joint through range of motion. Mm -hmm. It feels good. My mind is less stressed. Even the quarter mile driving here can be very stressful. And it's not when you're on a bike or on your foot as much. Yep. You know, you might take a chance of getting hit crossing in front of Shell. But other than that, it's, you know, so finding those things that you're going to do and associating your trip to the grocery store with your bike, mm -hmm. it seems far-fetched for a lot of people, but it doesn't have to happen all the time. And that's what you're teaching a kid when you go to your store on your bike with them, right? Or you ride to dinner together. Yeah, they'd be like, mommy, daddy, how, is your car broken? No, we're just doing this because it's yeah. fun. We're going to ride down to the extreme pizza at Alamo or whatever yeah. it is. And we're going to ride home together, you know? Yep. Why not? It's not, most people go out to dinner in Alamo and live in Alamo. And unless it's dark, it might not be safe, but that could be lunch too. Just, just like our family meets in the yep. same way. You know? Sure. So. That's great. 
And as you get older, older kids, so we talked about obstacle courses for like toddlers. <clears throat> I doubt a lot of sixth graders would come home and I maybe have, they would. Some I would. Have, <laughs> so I have this thing where if my client has a birthday, they can come in for a free workout. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that everybody else had canceled on the day. This, this child is 13. He's now 15 going into college or high school. And he was a very immature 13. He just, um, would do goofy things in the gym Mm -hmm. and just was kind of grew really fast and his mind wasn't quite cut up. And so his mom tasked me, she, she really wanted him to learn some grit. So I used to have obstacle courses for him. He'd have to army crawl across the floor. You know, he'd jump up on a box and finally we got him to like a 24 inch box, which was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got him hitting the bag and now he does, uh, martial arts in Berkeley um, because he loved hitting the bag and he had been in martial arts as a kid and felt like he just didn't fit in and after Mm -hmm. just getting into that one thing and realizing oh I can hit the bag hard oh oh I really can he went back there and he I saw him he's just a different kid yeah and you know it's the parents involvement the parents saying okay I'm not going to ignore this or say it's okay to lay on the ground and play video games today. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take you to Michelle, which may cost you money, mm-hmm. right? But that's an investment that people are willing to make. Oh, completely. You know? I think I, if you could take a kid who tends toward inactivity and make them a kid who is enjoying being active and reaping those benefits, you know, body image, but also just all the endorphins and brain chemistry right. changes, then I think most people would be making willing to make that financial investment. Absolutely. And, you know, I was, uh, in, in researching a little bit for this, I was reading an article about how to, um, like deal with your jerk teen. Because of course, when you, you know, I was looking into, you know, some studies and, and one of the things I think, you know, when you have a teen that is really misbehaving, you know, if they're not active, that might be a big reason why, Absolutely. you know, if they're not yeah. using their body and they're not feeling like they have something to, that they can control and move. And I, I know I go back to martial arts a lot, but it's a lot about taking your total control over your body and Mm -hmm. putting it in spaces where you didn't think it once could go, you know, and, and learn having a kid not, not have that connection makes it's stressful, you know, especially when they have to go to school and then they have to run a mile, which, you know, they hate it and they hate it because they're not in shape and it's awful. And then there's the sporty kids who are zooming to the front and they're just lagging. Right. And I love that a lot of schools are doing like badminton and stuff. And at first people laugh, but you know what? kids running around for an hour. You yeah. so what it's cheap equipment. Great. You know, nobody really gets tagged hard. I hope. <laughs> no, patients love badminton. My patients right. tell me about it and they really enjoy that class. It's yeah. one of their favorite classes. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Because I love it's, that. It's pretty laid back, mm-hmm. but they're interacting socially and they're interacting physically. And, um, you know, you don't have to be a great badminton player to enjoy badminton. Um, Absolutely. You can, you can be pretty, uh, you know, beginner level and still have fun with it. Right. And, you know, I think when, when we were growing up, it was more of an association. There was a a harder divide between people that did sports and people that were the smart, you know what I mean? Now it's like, it's cool to be smart. Thankfully, it is. It's so cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, Because those are the people that go into computer science and right. uh, It's, it's, yeah, Yeah. right. And it's cool to care about the planet. You know, all those things are a little bit different than they were. We different priorities, I guess in the eighties, we'd say it. And so I love that kids don't want to feel like they have to associate with a sport, you know, but by the same token, they also need to understand why it is so important to be able to 
use your body in a way that's going to help it last forever, right? Absolutely. They don't need to know the science behind it, but they need to feel that connection. So I that think sometimes that helps. It, I think oh, sometimes when kid is feeling blah on the couch, and if you can explain to them the biochemistry of why they feel that way, and you're just going to have to bear with me and do these things for a little while and see how you feel. Right. I think that fairly universally, they're going to feel better. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the science is out on that. I mean, there's no question that there's exercise could be easily prescribed before many things. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. As long as the situation is safe. Right. Yeah. Um, I just think that, uh, whether they exercise or not, or excuse me, whether they are in sport or not, they can still find that connection. It's totally possible to find that, like, I am bettering myself for having done this. It's just the path is going to be maybe totally different. So how to get that couch potato off the couch? Any, yeah, you like know. Like that 15-year-old who's just kind of resistant and defiant. Right. Um, well... I would say the best tactic would be to bring in a professional, somebody yeah. that knows what they're doing because they've heard it from you, you yep. know, and whether that professional is like, Hey, I'm willing to invest in this, you know, saying to your kid, I'm willing to invest in this. You can help me choose which is best, wh whether we're going to get you boxing, right? Kids mm -hmm. like that. A lot of the time they like to hit stuff and yep. it's good to let them hit it. Yep. So I think that's a, a really good way to handle that kind of aggression. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, allowing them in some way to be part of the process, not saying you have to do this, but Hey, I'm willing to invest in this if you are, and let's talk about what might be good for you because we're not talking about you tomorrow and your phone and all that stuff. We're yeah. talking about your future. Yeah. And this is just as important as everything else. You sure. know, most people know more about their cars than they do about their own bodies. We get that one. True. It's true. Yeah. I say it a lot, you know, and that's why going back to what you said, some kids do want to know. Yeah. I teach a, um, a myofascial release and um, kind of breathing class at Miramani once a week mm -hmm. for their uh, varsity football players. Um, it's something they've been investing in for a long time. Uh, since 2013, they brought me in to start doing it. And it's really amazing to see these kids all turn off their phones and when I talk to them and teach them and I'll say, okay, this is the part of the body that we're rolling right now. We're going to deal with this, you know, issue that many of you will have. Yeah. I'll have them come up to me afterwards and say, Hey, do you think that could be connected to this or this shoulder hurts? What do I need to do? They're actually genuinely interested. And it's not always because of the information behind it, but I definitely think that they appreciate being respected enough to know that I, I'll talk to them like they understand their bodies. Yeah, and you know? physiology and you yeah. can understand what's happening here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think a good amount of them appreciate it. And it's amazing how by the end of that class, after an hour of really discussing verbally and non-verbally about this time being inside time and not outside time, yeah. that is part of sports that there needs to be more of that recovery, that right. visualization time. That breathing time, not where just you're the not on the field stressed, and practicing, yeah. and football players smashing into it's each other. It's a missing but the, link. The mental part of it, and, right. and the and, recovery part of it. Right, and saying, "Hey, if you're tired, sleep." Yeah. I'll tell them when they come in. If you're super tired, you know that you can take a nap right now. I'm not going to be offended, and nobody else here is too. Yeah. They need to recognize when they're tired, when they're being lazy, when they're not doing the things that they could do to make themselves more efficient or perform better in mm -hmm. sport or what, what have you, you yeah. know? Um, and that, that universal, uh, thing is, is popular with athletes, but it doesn't have to be athletes. I, I don't consider myself a Spartan athlete, but I consider myself an athlete, 
you know, well, I consider you a Spartan. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I've done a few, but, and it is my focus right now, but it's not like my identity. Like it would be if I were a professional baseball yeah. player or even a high school baseball sure. player, it's not as much my identity, but it is a part of a thing that makes me more resilient. And though it is difficult, I have found, uh, the route to joy within every hard workout, because I know that that is payment towards my future. Sure. I know that that race will be more efficient and effective and I'll be more, uh, uh, there's a better reason for me to train, right? Now if, you're a grown up, so you can see <laughs> cause and effect that are separated by significant distance in time. Yes. And sometimes teenagers don't think that linearly. Yeah, so they, that's true. It's more immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, why should I do this? You know, right. the same by the same virtue, that's why teenagers will start smoking or vaping and doing things that they don't realize the long term things. So, how do you connect those dots for them? Talking education. I mean, you're just going. I on think about it's how probably it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. You know, really not giving up on a kid. I you know I'll have times where certain kids will come in and they'll give me attitude and I have to blatantly say, it doesn't matter how much attitude you're giving me. You're not going to change my state. It's changing your state. Yeah. Right. It, that, that we're, you know, we need to deal with. And you I think it's a parenting strategy too. A lot of times kids will play off that they think they're going to make you upset or disappointed if they do or don't do something. And you're kind of reflecting back that this isn't about me. This isn't going to make or break my day. This is for you. Right. And they know it is. You can not participate or you can participate and give it your all or what degree of it you want to do. But this is really going to only benefit one person and that's you. Yeah. And I do think the strategy of really standing strong on not allowing a kid to get certain things if they're not doing other things Mm -hmm. is from the very beginning really important yeah you know when you take on a child that's 13 that has been allowed to like that one child I had come in here was and I called him a child at 13 in my head because he just didn't act like a 13 year old yeah you know he acted like I acted when I was five Mm -hmm. you know and he'd been allowed to do that and I would just not allow it and so that's why bringing in a professional, bringing in somebody, asking advice, you know, people go to therapists. I think that's great. Um, I think that's important to have an objective side that the kid doesn't feel is, has that preconceived knowledge yeah. or filter. Um, but when a kid is not following the rules, they do not get certain things. And sure. I think it's easy to say that as somebody who's not a parent. Yeah. Right. It's, it's easy to say it as a pediatrician to people. It's easy to say it to other parents. It's just it's hard to follow through. But when you do, right. when you actually just assert yourself and set that limit universally, um, even though it may be a short-term period of discomfort, right. long-term it's going to reap benefits. And there's a saying in uh, martial arts that uh, is that it's more important to be respected than to be liked. <laughs> yes. And it's nice to have both is what my caveat yes. is. But it is more important because as a, as a parent, I think a lot of the time, and I have this as an aunt too, I ride that fine line of being their friend so they'll tell me stuff. But I also have to be very careful because I will not allow them to not be on time for a job interview. I'll come down like a hammer if you are a minute late for that job interview yeah. I got you right? So it's hard to ride that line, but I always go back to that saying, if they're not respecting you, it doesn't matter if they like you. But as a parent, if you're a reasonable person, you're not doing anything outside the bounds of what most people would consider acceptable parenting. If you insist on the respect, you're going to get the like and the love. It, It just happens. But 
you have to demand the respect. And yeah, right. and, that, and that's really on the parent as far as expecting that. And not it's not gonna you're not gonna get that from a kid unless you expect that. Right. And it's easy to give up when there's a kid that's maybe taller than you. <laughs> yep. And yeah, they get big. And so, you know, from the very beginning, uh, when those situations start to become visible, whether it's early on or whether it's, you know, whether they start acting out at a certain age, the discipline of fitness becomes more important. They have got to, by the time they hit puberty, if they're a kid that's defiant, they have to be doing something physical. I would say every day, but studies show an hour, five days a week is good. Um, but that's, I would say it's more than likely if a kid is, is not active, that they need to exercise. If they're really being defined and acting out, getting them to that point is going to be a matter of not giving in on certain things. Like and calling in a professional. Yeah, and calling in a professional saying yeah. you can't. And I mean, I I know parents who've had to have a kid taken in the middle of the night and yeah. discipline like that. Yeah. The kid is great now. It wasn't pretty, but this was a repeated effort. I mean, there are some situations where you're going to have to go all the way, but I'm saying with a kid, if you bring your kid into somebody like me who knows kids or somebody that works at any of these other places that yep. really works with kids, yep. you'll probably find that the kid responds a little bit better to doing things to them because they're trying to impress them one, right? That's Absolute. a human instinct. Well, there's just things that sometimes are best done not by parents. Right. And also their parent isn't judging them while they're doing it, right. which may be be a little bit of the problem, right? That you're not doing enough or... Might be conscious, might be unconscious. Absolutely. I remember when I was three and my uncle taught me how to ski because it's one of those things that when you're three and you fall down and your skis cut, kept coming out of their bindings and you get frustrated. And I remember once I literally threw the skis at the bottom of the hill and just sort of walked away. And my uncle looked at me with... And my uncle loved me, but he was always a little more scary to me than my dad. And... After I turned around and looked at him, I came back and picked up my skis and put them back on. <laughs> so that never would have happened with my parents. I would have just... And look at that yeah. memory, you I know, know oh, all I remember the day. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. A long what time you, ago. One yeah. of your earliest, right? Yeah. Um, I, you made me think of something when... Um, oh, I can't. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I'll think of it. In sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So sometimes parents... There's things that parents can't do as well as an outside person, whether that's a relative like you, or um, a professional you just hire to come in and assert a routine. Right. And that is a really good point. Habitual. It takes, there's various studies on this, but it takes several times repeating something to make it become a habit, depending on what the previous habit you're replacing is. Yes. And if you're trying to replace like video game time, doing it in pieces, like saying, okay, you can, you can do, you can play your video games as long as you do this too. After you've done this. Yes, it has to be. And I, that's kind of a, a, a an old school technique. And don't let them do it before. Cause no. will, the second thing will never happen. And start your negotiations really high. That's what I was going back to with Chad, <laughs> uh -huh. do the 12 miles and then they're stoked on eight, you yeah. know? And so when you're talking about exercise, if you want to play your video game for 10 minutes, you're going to have to do your exercise for an hour. You know, and then, you know, you know, give them, don't say, okay, if you do 30 minutes of exercise, you can do 30 minutes of video games because the bottom line is the, the exercise at first probably isn't going to be very vigorous. They're yep. not going to be doing burpees, right? They're yep. probably going to be going for a walk, which is great for their mind. And that's what they should do yep. every day. So they're going to have to do it for longer to get the real benefits Absolutely. of it if they're not, you know, 
So if, if you can start to teach them, and, and this is we're going to require learning, and it's best with a professional. For example, what is a pound of fat worth versus a pound of muscle worth? And how, does our, how do our bodies metabolize differently when we carry those differently, right? Yep. If a kid can learn about that, because they're usually not in school unless they really get into the subject, it gives them a different picture of, oh, you know, that croissant is worth 450 calories. I burn 200 calories on my walk. I'm not going to eat two croissants. It's kind of like putting right? kids on an allowance and then having them purchase things and realize what things cost. I had to do this many chores. Oh, if they realized so this is how much physical exercise I have to do to burn this many calories. Because when they look at the croissant, they just think, oh, that tastes good and I'll enjoy that in the moment. Right. But they don't realize what the exchange is. And you know there's a time to eat the croissant, right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. But you need to know what you're eating. Right. And what, just like there's time to, to buy a toy, Right. But you should have a, a sense of what that toy costs relative to the work you have to expend to. Exactly. And in some ways it's like, well, it's just true that we have our, our products have evolved faster than our bodies. And, you know, so our bodies are not meant to have unlimited, you know, whatever it is. Yes. Right. Because we had to work for those things so hard and we'd save them and salt them and store them and all that and stuff. And it might be days Ration in them. Right. Meat. Yeah. Right. So when we see that stuff and then when we eat it, our bodies go through this crazy physiological response that makes us want more because yeah. we couldn't get that according to evolution. We would get a right. quarter of that. So if a kid is trained to understand what that is, it's helpful to in the future to them. Early on. Right, early I mean, really on. Really just kind of having that dialogue early yeah. on because yeah. kids will listen, mm -hmm. especially if you repeat things. Right. And then they understand what you're talking about when you say that's not good for you. Right. I mean, one. my dad was forceful with food. I'll just say that. <laughs> so you couldn't walk by the kitchen without getting his latest sauce just shoved at you, you know, taste this. Um, he, he did always cook at home. A lot of, I mean, most of the time there was always a home cooked meal, albeit very late. Um, there was always vegetables and I was always told to eat my vegetables first. Clearly he didn't know what that would do because I've been That's vegan for 20 years. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but the point You're being, waiting yeah, the but the point course. being that even though he maybe scared us more into eating the vegetables, you know, he still did it. He still forced it on me. There were better ways to do yeah. it. And we've talked about those in the other podcasts. Right. Yes. There's but far better ways to do it. First. Yes. But at, at the same time, he was making it a priority. And that's why I think it might have worked because I always did think, oh gosh, I better eat my vegetables, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, so point being that even from an, a young age, he always encouraged us to go outside you know, all of my sisters and brother were all pretty active people. Um, my mom also, we like vacations were pretty active. We would water ski. We would do, you know, go snow skiing. If we went to a destination, there would be an activity. And so planning a vacation, I think, around activity, um, making a bike ride one day, you know, having a day where you totally relax, you know, planning it so that those things are understood as part of still when you're on vacation you still move and enjoy and it can actually be a reason to go climb a mountain you Absolutely. know a vacation can be the a, a, an event can be the reason and for just vacation. reflecting back I think almost every story that I've heard from you or from Amy um, has about your childhood relates to whether it's a vacation or it's some kind of an outdoor activity 
Absolutely. I never hear stories about, you know, when we were watching this TV show. I hear stories about when we were water skiing or we were panning for gold or something like that that involved physical activity and outdoor stuff. So may have almost killed us. I will say, I will say six years old on the side of Granite Chief with my dad and a, you know, in a full blizzard was risky in the same way, you know, he'd say things at dinner to force us to eat our food. However, um, you know, it did give me a really good sense of what risks are wise and what, Mm -hmm. as did martial arts, you know, you learn really quickly what risks to take and what risks to not take when somebody's trying to hit you. Um, but, but that's kind of like those events in life where you're like, well, I have two choices. I either press on or I stay here and fight out the blizzard, which is not what the human body's meant to do in the same way. A kid makes that decision when they're out for a run and they are deciding whether to go up in the hills and whether to, you know, think about where they're running or they get lost. Right. Which happens. It it happens across country at Monte Vista quite a lot. I hear. Um, but, but, you know, letting a kid take that risk and deciding whether or not they should instead of, Oh, he fell down those types of things. You know, I mean, I, I hear that a little too often. A kid falls and, Oh, you know, and I get it. Uh, societal issue it is yeah. Area. yeah yeah and and you know even here when I like because I am a moving violation I'm moving fast and things will come in the way and I just kind of mow over them sometimes mm-hmm. kind of like my sister yes um <laughs> and so I'll trip and you know Chad just you know laughs it off but people here oh, you know and it's like it's my normal it, it, I don't recommend it for everyone yeah. but but I don't react like that to those situations because I take those risks often yeah I'm not saying that's best for everybody but that's a benefit of exercise if you think you're gonna walk in this world or go out in this world and not trip and have to stumble and catch yourself or not or fall yes that's one of the benefits of early exercise yep. So, so, you know, going back to how you get a, a, a kid of any age to exercise, functional training, make it fun, a walk. Yeah. And the know, early, and the early adoption of those activities. So you're setting examples early on mm-hmm. and then that just becomes the lifestyle for them long-term as you are the example of. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Michelle, it has been wonderful talking to you about this. We've kind of rambled in different directions, oh, totally. but, I, but I really love where we went with all this. Great. And I know that the listeners will uh, get an earful of this and may have questions for you. So would you like to share with us how, if people want to hear more from you or come see you, or if they happen to have a teenager that needs help, how they might... Uh, you know, get your services. So how do we get a hold of you? So um, I have a few websites, uh, but the best way to get a hold of me would be the easiest one to remember, I think. So it's hitwithpower.com. That's actually my um, self-defense division of what I do. I also run a gym called Gumsaba, but that's a little harder to spell and remember. Well, you could spell it for us. G-U-M-S-A-B-A dot com. Um, and so, and then I have an outdoor fitness program as well. So we've got a lot of stuff in this area. We support schools and parks, which is really cool. We've raised a bunch of money for them in the 10 years that we've been around. So terrific. And thanks for uh, talking to me and, uh, the listeners, sorry about the echoes here, but we are literally in the gym here and this has been great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And now let's take a brief break. When we return, You will hear this week's parenting horror story and also answer a question from a listener.
And we're back. Before you proceed with the next segments, I want to remind all the listeners about our phone-in line, which has been set up for people to call in and leave voicemail questions to be answered on the show. In addition, if you'd like to contribute to our new segment, Parenting Horror Stories, you can also use this number. The call-in number is 925-732-6274. Call in with your question or horror story for the show. You can also contact us on Facebook at the Owner's Manual Podcast, where you can leave comments or post questions and stories or ideas for topics for the show. Whichever way you prefer, we can't wait to hear from you. This week, we are continuing our new segment, Parenting Horror Stories. I'm calling on parents to call in with a funny story or anecdote about funny or outrageous things that happen when trying to parent. It might be a story that describes your less than greatest parenting moment, or possibly just something funny or endearing that your child did. You don't have to identify yourself if you're embarrassed, or you can make up a funny pseudonym. So once again, here it is, Parenting Horror Stories. Hi, Dr. Nash. This is Stephanie, and when I heard about your Parenting Horror Stories, I knew I had to call in. A few years ago, when my very spirited son was two years old, we moved into our first house, which was located on a relatively busy street in the suburb of Denver, Colorado. And within the first week of us living there, I had a trip planned to go see my parents. Now, naturally, the morning, early morning of the flight, I was running late because I had a toddler with me and um, I forgot something upstairs. So I told my son to stay near the front door with the suitcases, which was locked by the way, um, while I ran upstairs to grab it. And I swear I was upstairs for only a minute when I came down and I saw the front door open with my son gone. And as we were in our new house, I didn't realize that the front door bolts became completely unlocked when you pulled the latch style handle down. So of course, naturally when he opened the door and our dog ran out, he went to follow our dog and uh, followed him through our front yard, pushed open a 25 pound wooden gate to get into the street. And when I ran out to find him, he was in the arms of a very nice uh, man in scrubs. Uh, traffic was stopped in both directions. Uh, and my son was just sitting there in the middle of the street with this, with this man. So of course I apologized up and down and couldn't believe what had happened. I felt completely mortified. Um, and then of course I was late from my flight <laughs> to this hiccup, but that's obviously all in details. So if you didn't think that the story could get any worse, it actually does. When I got home from our trip, wedged in the front door um, was a child protective services card. Now, I immediately thought that everybody in the neighborhood knew what had happened, um, and word had spread all around, and I was so upset. Um, I tried to leave messages on the Sunday when I got the card and also on Monday, which talk about agony, Monday was a holiday, only to hear from the social worker on Tuesday morning. Um, and of course, being five months pregnant with our second son, as soon as I picked up the phone when she called, I was already in tears. Uh, before she could even put in a word, I explained to her that 
I knew why she was calling and apologized over and over and explained the situation only for her to politely ask me my name and tell me that she was looking for the family who lived at the house before us who hadn't told her that they moved. Um, talk about a complete parenting nightmare. That was great. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Truly a parenting horror story. And now for this week's phone-in question. Hi, my name is Monica and I'm calling from Alamo, California. My question is which supplements do you recommend for a teenager who has ADHD? And that's it. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Monica. That is a terrific question, and one that we discuss a lot in the office. When I evaluate a patient for ADHD, and sometimes even before we get there, I like to talk about interventions that might help reduce symptoms so we can decrease the potential need for prescription medications, or sometimes even eliminate that need altogether. For years, there have been anecdotal reports and more recently several well-designed controlled studies that show that omega-3 fatty acid supplementation with DHA and EPA significantly reduce symptoms of ADHD. This inherently makes sense since these fatty acids are literally the building blocks of brain cells. So if you have a condition where part of the brain is not as mature as it should be or is delayed in maturation, it makes sense that to give food to help with brain growth will help. In general, the ratio of EPA to DHA should be between 1.5 to 2 parts EPA to 1 part DHA. These can be sources from fish oil or krill oil, and there are even algae-based sources for families who are vegetarian or vegan. Now part of the problem with giving omega-3 supplementation is that while it's well absorbed by the gut and into the bloodstream, very little of the substance makes it to the target area, the brain. There's a filter in our bodies called the blood-brain barrier that is very selective about what it lets through into our most vital and sensitive organ, the brain. So while you can give your kids regular fish oil or krill oil that you can buy at a drugstore, very little of that will actually get to the brain to do what we're talking about here. There are a few products that have solved this problem by attaching the EPA and DHA molecules to either phosphatidylcholine or phosphatidylserine. These two molecules, for those of you who were not biology majors, are components of all animal cell walls. And by tagging the omega-3s to either of them, the fatty acids get a free ride across that blood-brain barrier, and as a result have much higher levels in the brain where they can do the work. Other supplements to consider include the following. Iron. If your child is anemic, then the delivery of oxygen to the brain, and all the other tissues too, can be diminished. If your child is not anemic, then extra iron won't do much, but that's the kind of thing that your child's doctor can determine in the office. Also, vitamin D is something that I push a lot, and we've talked about it in several prior podcasts. While there isn't a study that I'm aware of associating low vitamin D with ADHD specifically, there are so many known problems associated with vitamin D deficiency, such as anxiety and depression, which can certainly worsen ADHD, that it seems logical to supplement with this important vitamin. The majority of children that I test for vitamin D in my office have low levels. 
I generally recommend about 1,000 IUs a day of vitamin D3 for toddlers and preschool aged children, and about 2,000 IUs a day for kids five and up. As I've mentioned before, I've never seen a child have a high vitamin D level, so I feel comfortable recommending this across the board. Other supplements that might help also are magnesium, which is considered a calming electrolyte as it relaxes smooth muscle and calms down the nervous system. There are several over-the-counter supplements that contain this to help with sleep. Some of the B vitamins have also been shown to be helpful with ADHD. Vitamin B2, also known as riboflavin, is a coenzyme in the metabolism of fatty acids. Vitamins B6 and B12 help in the synthesis of GABA, serotonin, and dopamine. L-methylfolate is a form of folic acid that's essential for neurotransmitter formation. So that's a pretty comprehensive list of things that I recommend putting a child on if they have a diagnosis of ADHD established, or even if concerns about the child's focus and attention develop and you're even thinking that there might be an issue. Because these sort of fatty acids and vitamin supplementations take about four to six weeks to work, the sooner they're started, the sooner you'll see some results. Now there's a product that I recommend for my patient that has all of these supplements together in one capsule. It's called Accentrate. It's a once a day capsule about the size of a Tic Tac. There's a version for smaller kids and one for kids or adults over 110 pounds called Accentrate 110. For kids who can't swallow pills, you can even poke a hole in the gel cap and squeeze the contents out onto some yogurt or something. I like things that have no potential for side effects or harm, and Accentrate is one of those things. Just to be clear, I have no affiliation with the product or the company, but I do think it's a good place to start if you think your child may have these kinds of focus and attention issues. You can find more information about this product and buy it at Accentrate.com. I hope that answered your question and helps your child. And that's today's show. I'd really like to give a heartfelt thanks to Michelle Brown for taking the time to talk to us about motivating kids to get active and stay healthy. For many kids who love to move, play sports and run around, this isn't a huge issue. But for the group of kids who don't tend toward those things, finding ways to get kids off the couch and outside their comfort zone is invaluable for parents, not just day to day, but long-term to develop healthy lifestyle choices and activities. Making things fun to do is key here, and Michelle gave us lots of ideas for that, so thank you. Also, for parents who feel stuck in that rut of inactivity too, Michelle's boot camps and self-defense programs are top-notch, so check them out. So until next time, this is your host, Drew Nash, wishing you and your child good health and happy parenting. The opinions and beliefs expressed on the owner's manual are that of myself, Dr. Nash, and my guests, and do not necessarily represent those of sponsors or other governing boards. The owner's manual is recorded and produced at Neutron Sound, Danville, California. The content of the owner's manual is the intellectual property of Andrew L. Nash, M.D., and one-to-one pediatrics incorporated copyright 2019 all rights reserved